Hi, I'm Lizzie, here with my friend Andrea, and we are your hosts for Letting It Percolate. Just as the best tasting coffee takes time to percolate, some of life's most interesting and important questions take time to truly explore. So, Andrea, what are we exploring today? Yeah, today we want to explore this question, what misconceptions have we had about God? And we're both very excited about this topic, um, even in conversations over the past week. I think it's been cool to see and to hear people weigh in on that question. Um, also, we just want to put it out there at the beginning of this episode that we know saying the name God stirs up kind of a vast um, variety of thoughts and emotions in people, and we just want to acknowledge that and um, convey that we understand what God might mean to us or to some people who are listening could be different than to other people, and that's part of what we're hoping to flesh out today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to kind of get the ball rolling, we... Um, well, in asking some of our friends and family about words they associate with God, here are some of the responses that we got. We heard, God is a refuge. God is suffering. God is punishment. God gives guidance. God is love. And God is fear. Oh, also, this one I wanted to throw in. God is confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, quite the mix there. Um, I think it, it goes to show we're not all starting from the same place in this discussion. And I hope that that's just an accurate reflection of real life. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, especially the confusing one. I think that's very relatable, whether you like would say that you have a relationship with God or not. Like God, just because like we are so different because we have brains (laughs) limited by space and time. Um, So I certainly, uh, yeah. Um, I think we, so we wanted to kind of quickly share one, one of each of our like misconceptions that we've had, or maybe are still wrestling uh, with as far as like when we think about God. Um, but before I share my actual one, uh, I wanted to quickly share a short anecdote about a misconception I had about God as a child, um, which is kind of humorous. Um, so (laughs) in like third or fourth grade, um, so I was like in, in and out of Sunday school, like not super consistent, but was somewhat there. Um, I, and so I remember getting a Bible like in third grade in the church and then, I was reading on my own and I stumbled across 1 John 2.15, which says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. And you may remember 2003, 2004, elementary school, um, they were going big on eco-friendly and like recycling and green. Um, and so I remember reading that and just being appalled. I was like, <laughs> we're, we're not supposed to love the world and be eco-friendly. Like, <laughs> and I had a conscious thought, like, in that moment of, like, I'm disregarding this part of the Bible. Like, <laughs> I know it's right to be eco-friendly. <laughs> um, so 
that was just kind of a funny like child's interpretation of <laughs> that or misinterpretation I should say of that verse um but a uh, bigger misconception that I've had um especially like in high school and like prior I think and yeah it just it comes up at different points but the whole concept of like do good things get into heaven avoid hell mm -hmm. avoid eternal suffering um and in that like schema god takes on a role more of like coordinator um at, rather than god um and i think i didn't understand um god or christianity or the purpose of it and like i when i became a christian in like middle school um up to that point i was like why is like jesus and the cross and like what's up with that because all i need to do is like do good things and i'll avoid hell um and so yeah that was working through that misconception and like finding answers um helped me to actually find god and understand um mm -hmm who he is because i think that that narrative of like just do good things avoid i'll go to heaven is so prevalent in in various parts of our culture in the united states so yeah mm -hmm. yes that resonates man mm -hmm. <laughs> um you're not alone in that <clears throat> uh i i guess i'll go ahead and also share the misconception one of many that I've had about God. And I would also say, as you said, Lizzie, I'm still kind of working through this one. So I, particularly uh, during and in the years following my senior year of college, really struggled with seeing God as cruel. Not cool, <laughs> just to clarify, cruel <laughs> with an R. <laughs> um I, yes, so during my senior year, I was diagnosed with a hormonal disorder that at the time seemed like it was kind of earth shattering. Now it's like four years later and it's a lot more manageable and I've also learned it's a lot more common. Um, but yeah, at the time there were just a ton of physical and emotional challenges that really felt unfair to me mm -hmm. to have to be going through. And as I looked around at my friends and uh, some of my family members, and again, like surface level, who knows? I, I know some of them also had much more severe challenges than I did at the time, but on the surface, it looked like my life was um, much harder and the things that I had to think about mm -hmm. and worry about in a day seemed much greater than other people and I didn't understand it like god why are you coming down heavy-handed on me in this way um and I was miserable for a while like mm -hmm. for multiple months pretty miserable and upset with god I even remember having a conversation with my dad where I said man I feel like I'm putting in all the spiritual inputs mm -hmm. and yet I feel like I'm receiving none of the quote outputs mm -hmm. um which might also reveal <laughs> where my heart was at in terms of mm -hmm. an understanding of grace and salvation um but outside of my own life I also saw what I think 
could appear as cruelty with a few cousins of mine who have lost their parents, um, multiple cousins and multiple different parents earlier than they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of from like a, a side, a sideline view going through that mourning process with them and wondering mm-hmm. like, why would you do this, God? Like, why would you come and create hardship for apparently no reason in people's mm. lives? You must be cruel. But then, um, more recently, as I was reading and studying through Genesis, I noticed in Genesis 3 that after, so Adam and Eve have sinned by eating this fruit that God told them not to, and God comes and confronts them, and he goes through the consequences of their sin for Adam and for Eve, and also for the serpent that was involved with the situation. And after he's gone through these, the first thing he does is gives clothes to Adam and Eve. He It actually says that he makes them clothes out of, um, I believe it was animal skins, because they had tried to clothe themselves with fig leaves after they realized that they were naked, which kind of happened simultaneously with their sin. Mm-hmm. And it really struck me that a, a cruel god would would not do that. A cruel god, I think, would have let Adam and Eve stay in their shame and their guilt and their nakedness. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, it created this light bulb moment of if in our experiences where we reach the end of ourselves, where Adam and Eve realized their own sinfulness and their nakedness, where I realized there's nothing I can do to hold myself up, not my mental health, not my spiritual health, not my physical health, Mm -hmm. Um, where my cousins reached points of realizing they ultimately can't save their parents. Like, at the end of ourselves, that's where we're most open to the idea that we would need to depend on someone else. Mm -hmm. And if God is using what I'm perceiving as cruelty to get me to that place, to get my attention and to suggest that I don't have to hold up the world, uh, that I can't, Mm. but that he can, and he's trying to release me of that pressure and that burden of resolving every problem, then is it really cruel? Like, Mm -hmm. if he's bringing me to a point of grace and of increased faith and of release, then I don't know if I can call it cruel. I think that there may be something that really is for my good that he's working out in those situations and for everyone's good as they encounter their own hardships. So yeah, that's um, an ever evolving <laughs> storyline in my life, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a true thing that I have worked through and that I'm learning. Yeah, I think yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think the it's important to, whether you're a Christian or not, um, to feel the freedom to ask that question that can sometimes be a, feel at least like a hard question to ask of like, why? Like, well, I mean, it's really the question of pain and suffering, which is a bigger philosophical and spiritual question. Right. But even like in our everyday lives, like the events that touch us, like you said, with um, your cousins and the passing of 
their parents and everything, like, it really does turn up, churn up those questions, legitimate questions about, like, what the heck, God? <laughs> like, <laughs> why? And it, it does. It Sometimes certain things happen, and I would, I would say, kind of like you, you gave a ca- caveat, Andrea, I would echo that of, like, we, I, at least I'll speak for myself, I feel like for all of the suffering that I've been through, compared to other people in within America or other people in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. it's like nothing. Yeah. And and so then it's like, how, God, can you allow this to happen to those people or this person? And it does feel at times cruel. Um, and And yet I think the willingness and openness to ask that and to just be honest and say like this is what it feels like this is what it looks like on the face of it um and then to seek answers and work through that um I think that's important and beautiful um knowing that with that question of suffering and of other similarly big questions we're never gonna be fully satisfied with an answer like, I think we'll experience moments of peace and acceptance of it is what it is <laughs> um, deeper than that. But yeah, we're never going to know because we're not God. We're not going to have that ability to grasp everything. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted to briefly comment on from what you said was the idea of like when you were in college and you were kind of going through like that initial diagnosis and just all the things you had to like think about, like you said, and be aware of, and you're kind of looking around and saying like, man, like every, it seems like everyone else has a pretty easy, like no one else has to think about this. No one else has to do with this. (laughs) And I think, uh, at least I can relate with that for different reasons. I think a lot of people, like when you have a moment, whether a moment means like a couple years or a couple weeks, when you have a moment of pro, like, very intense like suffering especially at the beginning of it you're trying to make sense of what's going on the the tendency or uh, temptation to look at other people and you know on their exterior who appear fine mostly (laughs) and to say like wow that sucks (laughs) like I'm going through all this stuff and other people are just waltzing about their lives happy-go-lucky um, which is, of course, not the truth. We know, we all know that. <laughs> like, everyone's going through their own thing. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are in seasons of intense suffering, and they just don't look like it. Um, so yeah, I just want to echo like I felt that way in my own like things with my mental health. Just feeling like, man, if this one thing, like just this one thing, like my depressive episodes, if this would just go away, life would be so easy. <laughs> and I. It was hard, just sorry, last thing. It was hard because I knew that that wasn't true, but it felt so true in the moment. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like, I almost wonder when we, when we're thinking that way, like, man, God, if this one thing was removed or changed, if that's when he's like, nope, I'm Mm going to come down harder because you're not there yet. Mm. Because, Mm. because until you really believe that you have everything that you need, like every opportunity to access peace or to access love or joy mm. or forgiveness, 
um, until you really believe all of that is found in me, in God, you're not where I want you to be. And it's not going to serve you well in the long run for me to let you think mm-hmm. your problem was just mm. this mental health issue or your problem was just this physical ailment. Like yeah. it would be a disservice to us for him to allow us to continue thinking along those lines. Mm. Even though, let's be honest, we totally do. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. give me a few weeks, maybe even a few days in some cases, mm. and I'll fall right back into hoping in something that isn't him. Um, yeah. But, so, these stories, uh, Lizzie's and mine, are obviously pretty limited in scope, and as Lizzie even suggested, um our suffering, our misconceptions um, likely can't even compare to people in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. And we, yeah, we just want to make sure that that's clear. Um, We want to transition now into asking some questions and looking into some misconceptions that other people may have. Um, These are not necessarily personal. Some of them may be, but Really, these are more things that we've heard in society and culture, in school, in the workplace, at church, things we've heard people asking. Um, And before we get into the kind of like the sources of these misconceptions, we just wanted to throw out this overarching question that we're not going to try to dive into or answer today just because it's pretty big, but we Mm. think it's a good kind of thought-provoking um, Kickstarter. So, I guess it's a two-part question. <laughs> How do we know that something is a misconception? And who has the authority or the power to discern truth from misconception? So, like I said, we're not going to go too far into these, but we just want uh, you, if you're listening, to maybe take some time to think about that ask other people about it, read about it. Um, We're going to be doing the same. But let's dive in a little bit to sources of misconceptions, places where these uh, could start. So one of the first ones I thought of as Lizzie and I were brainstorming are leaders in the faith. Man, we've heard of a ton of scandals, unfortunately, in the past few years um, Mm -hmm. of people high up in different branches of Christianity um, who maybe preach something. um, For example, I can think of like televangelists and Mm. connecting to what's called the prosperity gospel or the idea that the more you give to God, the more he will give back to you. Um, So doing like fundraising campaigns and stuff, but then flying in their personal jets from church to Mm. church. Um, I think that can give a misconception that God does operate in terms of prosperity and, like, a very transactional relationship. Like, you give to me, I Mm -hmm. give back to you kind of thing. And, yeah, it's just interesting that sometimes, again, looking at at events or things that happen on face value, you could say, or you could find plenty of examples of televangelists who do preach the prosperity gospel who are materially successful, who... Like, and so it is, it can be hard, I think, to, to reconcile that reality. Not all of them are materially successful, but a lot, some are. Like, that's no, that's no secret. Um, But how do you reconcile that with, 
okay, well, if that's not true, if, like, if the prosperity gospel isn't the true gospel, then, like, why is that coming to pass? Um, hmm. So I think it raises, again, going back to the whole confusing thing, <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes it can feel that God himself is confusing because he's so multifaceted because he's God. <laughs> and sometimes it can be, I think, the the impact of various people, like humans, who confuse, like, the message of, yeah. Um, I think as far as, like, leaders and leaders in the faith and scandals and stuff, um, yeah, it is just profoundly sad to witness. It's sad on multiple levels, and I know, like, probably in, in some people's minds, the Catholic Church is coming up with the scandals of, like, boys and girls being sexually abused. Um, that is just reprehensible and heartbreaking. These, these people who are, a lot of them are now adults and just having to face this. And, um, it is just doubly, if not more, <laughs> awful because not only is it someone who's, someone doing something terrible, like that would be awful in any case, but it's someone who's claiming to be a spiritual authority, claiming mm -hmm. to be in connection with God, have a special connection with God, someone who's, who might be a legitimate source of wisdom for other people. Um, and so that can then lead to divisions in communities with, you know, well, hey, like this person did this horrible thing to me, but you're still going to them for wisdom. Like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. Which I think would be a rightful, <laughs> I would have that response. Um, so yeah, just brings up there is we hold leaders to a higher standard whether in faith or just in the world like and rightfully so i think we need to hold leaders to a higher standard because they do have more power generally speaking um and so when there is hypocrisy it's just that much more painful mm. and causes that much more like doubt spiritual doubt in people i think sometimes Yes, I agree. We, because we kind of naturally hold people in power more accountable, it's just that deeper of a fall mm -hmm. when there is um, some kind of scandal or abuse of power. And this actually connects to another misconception that we've heard that we think... Mm -hmm. Um, particularly in our culture right now, that seems to be pretty hyper aware of systemic forms of oppression. Mm -hmm. This misconception that God, as an authority, is inherently oppressive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's an interesting one. Like, we got to think about this. Mm. I think it is a very reasonable reaction to poor human leadership and authority and abuses of authority and power it's a reasonable reaction to then say well let's call into question authority in general including god's authority and because you've been harmed in some way maybe by an authority figure and i think that's a rational question to raise mm -hmm. um i think that again <laughs> Not to touch on the theme of confusion so much, but like, <laughs> it, it can be hard to navigate that depending on where you're going for answers because 
God, like we've said, and I, I don't think this is too controversial, like, God's not the same thing as a human being with one brain and one, you know, no ability to see the future, or multiple futures. Mm. Um, and so to... I mean, you can say, like, in a logical sense, just, like, on the face of it, to put on God this, like, human understanding of abuse of authority doesn't hold up logically because God is fundamentally different than humans. Um, Yet, I can, you know, I can understand why that happens because the level of pain that some people go through at the hands of authority is just, like, something I... I probably haven't experienced um and yeah that's why I just keep going back to I think it's so important for it to be acceptable like socially in various contexts to raise these questions and to not be like oh, how dare you ask that like how dare you have a doubt like <laughs> those are good things it's good to ask you know I I think for people who maybe are at this place right now and are asking this question, like, is God oppressive? Mm -hmm. And if he is oppressive, is it right for him to be oppressive? I think one of the best resources we have, um, man, this is such a Sunday school answer and I'm cringing (laughs) as I say this, but I, I believe this is true. A hundred percent. One of the best resources we have is actually reading the words of the Bible itself to see, like really try to see who God is. And I think it's okay to go to a passage. Maybe Genesis is a good place to start, um, to go and to say, I'm looking at this through the lens of, is God oppressive? And if he is oppressive, is he justified in being oppressive for the sake of his own glory? Like, I think it's okay to go in with that question and ask it mm-hmm. of this word that he has spoken through human beings and recorded. Mm-hmm. I I know... Um, as I've begun to kind of go through the Old Testament over the past few months, that this has been a question in my mm-hmm. mind. Um, mm-hmm. And I look at, for example, right now in Leviticus, it talks a lot about um, kind of rituals or rules that mm-hmm. the people of Israel, God's chosen people, are supposed to follow in terms of how they build the temple which is where he's gonna dwell like even the kinds of clothes they wear the kinds of sacrifices that they have to make um and sometimes i ask the question god is this necessary Mm -hmm. is it necessary for you to require such specific and detailed things of humans like are you are you Mm -hmm. doing this to oppress Mm -hmm. or are you doing this for some other reason and if you're doing it for some other reason what is this other reason And so far, what I've started to gather is that he, he wants so much to be with his people. It's, he's acting out of love to want to be able to dwell with them. He Mm -hmm. wants them to be forgiven. And there's a relationship that sin just brings a knife right to the middle of. And Mm -hmm. he, God is trying to make a way 
to bring people back together. And so these cleansing rituals, or not people, to bring himself back to the people. These, like, cleansing rituals, the Ten Commandments that I think mm-hmm. um, most people are probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. These are these are his efforts out of love to try to reconnect people because he can't he can't um, exist in this the sin and the uncleanliness of the people that he's created because like you said they're humans and he's not a human he doesn't have just one brain and one body so he's operating in a different realm mm-hmm. this is probably way too confusing I think <laughs> I went in too deep here <laughs> no no um, no th- yeah. This is me processing this question because I think it's so, Mm -hmm. so important right now. If we are going to follow a God who is cruel and who is oppressive for his own sake without our best interests in mind, Mm -hmm. what are we doing? Like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, I would second that. And somewhere I heard, I think it was on a different podcast, (laughs) someone talking (laughs) about, like, um, looking for yourself. Um, kind of going back to what you said about, like, just look in the Bible. And it's, interestingly, not that simple because the Bible can be hard to interpret, again, on face value because of mm. the cultural and historical context, especially in the Old Testament. Um, thankfully, there's a lot of resources out there, I think, that help, transparently help explain, like, this is what was going on at the time, like, because um, that's been a struggle for me. Um, and just like, yeah, you could read the Old Testament in one way and, and get this idea that God is like just crazy, vengeful, angry all the time, like flippant, yes. capricious, unreliable. Um, and then you can read it another way, exact same words, and come to a very different conclusion, kind of what you were saying about God's pursuit of us in love. And yeah, so... It was an interesting thing that this person on this other podcast raised of, like, why... It was honestly directed at millennials, I think. This might have been on the Gospel Bound podcast. (laughs) Uh, Where she was, like... It was a guest, and she was, like... She's a millennial. Like, older millennial. In her late 30s, I think. And she was, like, why are we... Millennials are stereotypically, like, wanting to find things out for themselves. Like, don't... Because we've been marketed to our whole lives. Like... Um, And so she was kind of exhorting people to say, like, well, why are you taking what other people say about God at face value? Like, why don't you just go look for yourself? Mm. Uh, Like I said, that's easier said than done because there is a a buy-in of, like, it is effort. (laughs) As you know, like, it's not easy to just, like, read the Bible. It's not – some parts of it are not super accessible. Um, But – I think that's the only way. Because, like, are you going to trust another human being's interpretation? Right. Before vetting that human? Like, it's just, yeah. Man, I, yes, this point, (laughs) this is a good point for me to hear. Like, if I'm not going to challenge, or no, let me rewind. If I'm going to challenge things that I hear from peers about political topics Mm. or about health-related topics, like with coronavirus, Um, if I'm Mm. going to be skeptical of those until I hear the statements for myself or read the documentation for myself, why would I hold spiritual things to a different level of scrutiny? Mm -hmm. That's not, it's not rational. Like, I I need to be consistent 
and not just take things at face value across the board. And yeah, that's hard because it requires effort and intentionality. (laughs) And I'm bad about those things sometimes. (laughs) It's much easier for me to check out, watch an episode of Gilmore Girls when I get off work than it is Mm. for me to um, pull open my Bible app or start to journal about something that I'm processing through and ask God to make things clear. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's, man, such a good point, like, such mm-hmm. a good challenge to us. Yes, yes, which I, and I give full credit to this unnamed woman who I don't remember. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, other, unnamed woman. On the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that could be kind of some of the other, like, ideas of God that, we've either held before or still hold to some extent or we hear other people talking about of like um kind of god being um uh what's the word uh like doesn't want you to experience any joy and pleasure like just follow the rules like be uh on the straight and narrow which like stoic kind of i don't know or just like captures it or just like you know don't care about joy and just like just follow what I say no matter what and like I don't care about your joy um just do what I say so like obedience devoid of like joy basically Hmm. I think God comes off that way to people sometimes seeing for yourself can then you can decide for yourself like and if you read and you determine like that that's true then at least you read, <laughs> like tried yeah. to determine, but you you may read and realize that there's more to God than than that. And in fact, joy is a central component of what God cares about in relation to us. Hmm. What about this one? The misconception that God cares more about our action or our behavior than anything else more Mm. so than motives more so than where our heart Mm. is at do you like have you experienced that since you've become a christian like i must Mm. follow the straight and narrow um i must only do the good things and or any bad thing I do God is gonna smite me for because (laughs) he he is like you know Mm. honed in on those those mistakes, those sins? Mm. I think that question for me has more been about the flip side of it, which is like, so he, okay, if that's true, if he does just care about my output, kind of like my behavior action, then what I actually think in in my heart, like whatever I'm doing there, that's fine. (laughs) Mm. Um, Which is that would not hold up if you read, like, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus basically restates the Ten Commandments, but, like, deepens them, Hmm. saying things like, if you think, like, a bad thought about your neighbor, you've killed, like, murdered him in your heart, or if you think a lustful thought about a woman, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. There's, like, a super high level of, like, morality um, beyond the initial Ten Commandments, which I think speaks to Jesus slash God does care about the heart and that's been so integral for me personally just like yes obviously actions matter especially because they impact other people (laughs) um 
but, and I don't think God is unconcerned with them. I mean, you can point to passages where it talks about, like, faith without works is dead. Like, God does care about action, um, but he also cares about what's inside, because, <clears throat> you know, I think a temptation I can have sometimes as, like, the particular personality that I have of, like, helping people and, like, genuinely wanting to help, usually. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could be doing a great act of, like, helping from a totally poor motivation, like, hmm. my own glory. <laughs> and that's not good. Like, that's, I think God cares about that. Um, wants me to become more truly servant-like and truly humble, not just doing good things so I feel good about myself. Just for example. Uh, um, this kind of blends into where we wanted to go next. This is another, we're still on sources of misconceptions about God. So our own self-talk, the way that we, whether, I mean, to say voices in our head sounds a little bit weird, <laughs> but you know, the idea of there are things that we say to ourselves throughout the yeah. day, yeah. sometimes subconsciously, and uh, we might speak things, like, in a situation Lizzie was describing, like, I am helping this person because I am so good, or <laughs> I am so loving, or I just care mm. so much, and, like, affirming that part of our character in us. Um, <laughs> but the, when it gets tricky, and I have definitely struggled with this, is when our own self-talk starts to blend with who we think God is or what we think his voice sounds like. Um, and I think even at points in my, kind of in that period, senior year of college and the years following, I would tell myself things um, that I was incapable of I mean, doing a lot of things, to be honest, that I was boring, that I was um, disconnected. Like, I would tell mm. myself these things, but I thought they were God, like, speaking to me. And mm -hmm. that's where the, the, like, idea or the notion that God was cruel really got affirmed in my head mm. because I was really starting to mix up what were my own thoughts and what were God's thoughts um, and had to kind of seek out some help from other people to start to be mm -hmm. able to discern, is this something that God would actually say? Um, and like looking in the Bible to, to kind of understand what his character was and to hold, start to hold those thoughts captive and say, is this a me thought or is this a God thought? And if this is just a me thought, this is me just beating myself up and being perfectionistic for really no reason, mm. then let's get rid of that and like not dwell on that um but i think in my own pride there were times that i wanted my thoughts to be god's thoughts when like scripture calls the opposite from us that god's thoughts might start to become our own thoughts um mm. Mm. yeah i think it was dangerous territory there for a bit because I started to believe that I was completely in control of my life, and therefore I was bringing the suffering upon myself. Um, mm. Yeah, it. I mean, not to go too deep and dark, but it kind of created this um, 
Oh, shoot. I had the word and I lost it. What mm-hmm. was the word? I feel like you used this word Vortex. in the last episode. Black hole. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. We'll go with just like like self beating up kind of mm-hmm. sure vortex um <laughs> yeah. yeah it was it was awful but it was because i was confusing that voice of god with my own voice um and i think we have to be careful there like mm. and ask ourselves like confront with scripture confront with people who are also talking to god like hey do you think this is something god would actually say to me or about me can you help me discern with this mm-hmm. particular statement. Yeah. And like, is it in line with his character or not? Yeah. It's a good litmus test. Um, I th- think that the question of self-talk is just going to be a perpetual, like never ending question, if not struggle mm-hmm. <laughs> for like everyone. <laughs> um, because that's the human experience. Like, you know, but it's interesting because you could ask two questions of that. One being, like, does how we talk to ourselves reflect our understanding of God? Hmm. And then there's kind of the way you were asking it, which is, do we attribute our own self-talk to God and therefore it's shaping, actively shaping how we view God uh, as opposed to just a reflection of how we already view him? And it's obviously both at different points in time or maybe at the same time. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think just navigating, well, navigating your own thoughts, period, is hard, at least for me. (laughs) (laughs) But then you get into like, you're praying, you're trying to like listen to God who like almost never speaks audibly. (laughs) Like he has it before and he does, but like never to me. (laughs) And so it's, then it's really tough sometimes to uh, disentangle our own thoughts from, like, what God's saying. And, yeah, it's just um, validate the heck out of that struggle. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, If there are people listening who are also, like, wrestling with this, I think one word of wisdom that I've received from uh, someone else is... Like, is this thought gracious? Is it something that tells me I'm not doomed, that there is hope, that there's mm. a chance for this to be reconciled or restored, this flaw that I'm seeing in myself or this disappointment that I have? Like, is there grace in that thought? Mm. Or is or is this thought um, one of hopelessness and one that says, like, there's no chance for anything to change. Because that's not who God is. Like, we can see so mm. many times throughout Scripture that he uses flawed, sinful people to keep moving forward his story and his plan. Mm. Um, it, it's never thwarted. There's never a time when he tosses in the towel and said, says, like, I'm done. You're doomed. Good luck. <laughs> so any thought like that probably filter that into the um this is not from god bucket mm-hmm. and like those are the kinds that are probably best to not spend too much time dwelling on because they're not true and like why why dwell on things that are false mm. good wisdom thanks for sharing that 
Another yeah, shout out to an anonymous person. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Dang it, we need to give her credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think as we've uh, been just like externally wrestling through throughout this episode with misconceptions and the source and things like that, another thing we wanted to briefly contemplate is like the implication and impact that misconceptions about God can have. Um, both on Christians and on people who are not Christians. And I think there's probably multiple ways that that plays out. Um, Andrea, what were your like, initial thoughts on that? For people who are not Christians, I think, um, man, there's so many things that you probably hear from Christians about God that are, like one of our friends said, confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if I had not grown up in the church and if I um, had not been, had not like started reading my Bible and going through some of these passages, I think I would look at God and feel really distant. Um, I think going back to one of those first misconceptions we talked about, in light of everything going on in our culture, I would be afraid of God for fear of oppression. Um, mm. I'd add that sometimes misconceptions that Christians have about God can lead to Christians doing very hateful things mm. to whether to other Christians or to people who aren't Christians. Um, and that is just really frustrating and sad and um not okay <laughs> and it's a thing that happens you know we live in a society <laughs> um but like yeah I think that's one of the more one of the effects of misconceptions particularly when Christians are misunderstanding who God is um that's one of the effects that really is like devastating Mm. man it goes to show that our theology our beliefs about god and who he is they really do impact our theology really does Mm -hmm. impact our lives and how we act and how we speak and we we hurt people when our theology isn't Mm. um lined up with who God actually is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's especially sad for the people whose only encounter with spiritual thoughts is via someone's misuse of God's character or misunderstanding Mm -hmm. of him. Like, to me, that almost seems like another form of injustice, unfairness, cruelty, that that would be someone's encounter with Mm. I mean, I don't even want to call it an encounter with God, but an encounter with someone's Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I would ask of anyone who feels like that's them to uh, to try to exercise grace and appreciate the nuance of people being people and imperfect and human and like open to the chance that there is a God who is greater 
than and different from the people that they've seen claim his name on earth mm-hmm. and i know that's such a big ask gosh like i can't fathom some of the some of the ways that people have been hurt by christians because mm-hmm. of their misunderstanding of god i can't fathom mm-hmm. and so i don't i don't want to speak without hope and that's why i'm just mm-hmm. yeah asking and requesting like an openness to the possibility those Christians were wrong and that God isn't like that. Mm. Yes. One other question we were, that came up for us as we were thinking about this topic is like, and I think we might have said this earlier, like we're never going to have the perfectly full, perfectly accurate understanding of God. And so at least in some small way, there will always be some small, if not big, misconception we have about him. And um, I think the question that that raises is how do we deal with that and wrestle with that and not become hopeless? Kind of like you were getting at, Andrea. Um, How do we, like, what motivates us then to keep pursuing seeking truth, even knowing that our human limitations are at play? (laughs) so go ahead (laughs) so let me summarize in five words (laughs) um well i'll speak for myself i i think people will probably connect with this like having a purpose in life is so huge and for me that Mm. is that is a huge motivating factor for wanting to get this stuff with God figured out and not that there is I'll, I will never get it figured out and that's frustrating to me but like to move in that direction mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and to study his word and to listen to people preach about it like I I want to know that there is a reason for me being here mm-hmm. um and I as I've done this I've started to accept you know to I guess, um, what am I trying to say? (laughs) I've started to accept to a degree, yes, like there is a reason, a very specific reason for me being here. And there is a specific reason for every other person Mm -hmm. who has ever lived and who is currently walking on this earth and every Mm -hmm. person in the future who doesn't even exist yet. Like there is a reason for them and it's connected. There's somehow this thread that is weaving together mm-hmm. like the people that we connect with the things that we encounter the hardships that we go through mm-hmm. um and there is there is someone there is a higher power who must exist outside of this thread who is the one weaving it and the one connecting it um and, mm-hmm. you know, that, like I said, that's me speaking for myself personally, and I, I don't want to project that onto other people. But that's, for me, how I answer this question. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I wrestle with it. I wrestle with it knowing that I'm seeking purpose and meaning right now and opening myself as much as I can to trusting that a higher power has that creative, intentional design Mm-hmm. and sovereign plan that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Gosh, I feel like I just totally word vomited. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, um, I'm, I want you to have a chance to answer this, too. What would you say, Lizzie? Oh. Um, or if you wanted to respond, that's fine, too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll think about if I have my own, I have my own answer, but I'll think about if I can, like, act, you know, succinctly say it. Um, <laughs> but I was going to say, that, like, just extrapolating a common theme from what you just said that could apply more broadly, like, a way to deal with this, like, uncertainty and wrestle with this, the fact that we'll never fully know everything. Um, it sounds like you're saying, ask the existential questions <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and figure out that some more because you brought up issues of meaning and purpose and even identity kind of implicitly. And, um, I mean, you know how I love existential stuff. So. <laughs> Maybe a little biased. Just but. a bit. <laughs> yeah, I I would exhort and encourage myself and you and anyone listening to press on with those questions because, yeah, I mean, if there's, yeah. This is why I relate so much to absurdists, <laughs> like philosophically, <laughs> because like apart from my faith in God, I would completely be on board with this sort of absurd. <laughs> um, and and for some people, that's that's their answer, and they're content to live in that um, that right. space. But um, yeah, just continuing to ask those questions, I think, is what I drew from what you said. Anything you would add for yourself personally? I think that I would echo a lot of what you said. Um, just that, like. In the interim, basically, a.k.a. like living on Earth, (laughs) big picture, uh, there is meaning to be found. There is joy, real joy, to be experienced. And as a Christian, there's hope, uh, you know, beyond Earth. Um, Those things are what keep me going in the... um, the vortex, if you will. <laughs> the, Such uh, an intense word, you know. I know. I mean, that's just my nature. <laughs> <laughs> like a it. little, a little whirlwind might be mild. <laughs> next, next step up is tornado, but we have escalated to vortex. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Well, guys, uh, it's been yet another episode of letting it percolate thank you for tuning in with us we hope that you connected with what we talked about in today's episode and that your thoughts have been sufficiently percolated in the next episode we'll ask what are the merits of different personality tests well that is all we have for today have a great thanksgiving guys and we'll talk to you next time